Welcome to the Retreat House Podcast. I'm your host, Angie Smith. I've invited a friend to come and join me at the Retreat House table. Come and join us. I'm glad you've been able to join me today at the Retreat House table. My guest is Jason Peterson, who is the Contemporary Worship Pastor and... That is the wrong title. Welcome, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. What is your title exactly? Because yeah, well, you wear lots of hats. Yeah, I wear lots of hats. Yeah. Uh, pastor of Community Life and Worship. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah, so that's kind of lots of stuff. And I'm part of the preaching team and leadership team and lots of different hats. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, we are in a series called Follow Your Call or Following Your Call. And the reason why I had thought of you is because... Before you left this position, you were in another position, which is how I met you. You mm-hmm. were the worship leader at and campus pastor of the church I was going to, Calvary Church, and then got a call to move on to something else. And that idea of following your call when you're leaving something good and going something to something good, I, I think is hard. I think that's a, a harder sometimes thing to follow than oh, things are really bad, and I just got to get out of mm-hmm. here, so yeah. I have to look for this next thing. A rescue is easier to follow than a, than a call. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the story, about how how did it how did that call come to be? Or do you want to even go farther back than that? Well, I mean... Yeah, I wonder if it wouldn't be helpful. I mean, the, the truth is that the whole idea of call for me um, is something, you know, that has been unveiled slowly uh, over the last 20 years, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife and I started attending Calvary Church, where we were at, uh, if I can use that name. Yeah. Um, now, you know, over 20 years ago, actually. And that was a case of, uh, I think, calling, uh, honestly. Uh, and I think one of the ways that God calls us oftentimes is through people in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of simultaneously, I think God put it on the wife, the heart of my wife, at the time, and the heart of my sister, uh, two people oh. who had didn't, hadn't spoken to each other about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but my wife um, kind of was realizing she had married a man who really had no interest in following God uh, and who didn't want to be any kind of spiritual leader or initiator in our family. Um, and we were kind of newlyweds, and that was very scary for her and, and wondered if that was even of interest to me. And, mm-hmm. and at the same time, um, my sister came to me and said, you know, I know you kind of hate church, but I think I found something that that you'd really, really like. And I think you could dismiss that and just say, well, it's a coincidence or, you know, that was just two people that care about you speaking into your life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that is one of the ways that God speaks to us and calls us there. So God called me out of what was not a spiritual discontentment. I was in a good place then. I was just fine with my relationship with the church or, or non-relationship. <laughs> <laughs> so he was calling me out of something I was fine with into something that was far less comfortable, mm-hmm. but actually far better. And so we got involved even in that process. You know, I kind of went as a reluctant uh, viewer at first. I loved the fact that I could go and kind of be anonymous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, at some point... Um, we realized that, you know, I should probably get involved in playing in the band because I, I play music and I, I'd love to do that. But even that was kind of a reluctant, like, hey, you know, I'll do this, but don't ask much. and Don't ever ask me to sing. And, mm-hmm. um, I'm not totally committed. Yeah, yeah, right? And uh, throughout the process, uh, God continued to use people to kind of invite me in and put these little prompts 
in me. And similarly, when we went through a, like a membership class, cause we said like, yeah, maybe we should actually sign up, you know, a couple years later, maybe we should actually mm-hmm. get into this thing. And it was in that process that God introduced me to this idea of baptism and, and of kind of going deeper into his call and deeper into his call. And, and again, it w- it was out of something that was good. I wasn't, I didn't live as an unbaptized person who, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. but he was inviting me to something better. Um, and that was throughout the whole process then, you know, as I progressed through different roles and as I became a worship leader and as I, I then became part of the teaching team there and on the leadership team in each case, um, you know, it was God putting a stirring in my heart and then using people in my life. You know, uh, I oftentimes say Matt Runyon, who's one of the campus pastors over at Bethel, early on in that journey, um, I remember sitting at the dinner table and Matt saying, Jason, I, I think you have a pastor's heart. I think you're mm-hmm. supposed to be in ministry. Mm-hmm. And I remember I remember it so distinctly because I'm like, yeah, no, you've got the wrong guy. Like, <laughs> I've got people well, in my history that can tell you, you you've got the wrong guy. Well, and let's back up a little bit because you said that you didn't have a good relationship with the church or you weren't interested in being part of a church. Is that right? Yeah. So then where were you in your relationship with God if that was your relationship with the church? Yeah. Pretty, pretty disengaged. I mean, I think my wife pegged it, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. honestly, to, to, to be fair. Um, you know, I saw a lot that I just saw as really hypocritical. Mm-hmm. Um, I A lot of the kind of contemporary worship stuff, frankly, was one of the big barriers for me. I saw these songs that were, that felt more like love songs to God, like God is my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and it, it felt manipulative. Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt like they were playing on emotions and I just had no interest. I didn't feel any need. Things were going well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was married and had a good career and was loving life. And I had a great car and you yeah. know, the stuff that matters <laughs> when you're 22, right. yep. 23 years old. Um, yeah. So I, I said no interest. And so um, I think God very specifically brought me to a place where, um, you know, the music wasn't perfect, but I could, re- it, it wasn't, it, it, it wasn't sort of that level of I didn't Emotional. feel that way to me. Yeah, 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 it didn't feel emotionally coercive. I mean, mm-hmm. in some ways, it was to a church that that wasn't particularly emotional, uh, mm-hmm. frankly. And even the teaching, uh, you know, I think Rich Schonert, who God used tremendously in my life, but his teaching style was a lot more, even at the time, was a lot more like, I'm going to try to teach you what Scripture says, and mm-hmm. then I'm going to let you figure out what that means for you and how to live that in your life. And I'm not going to ask you for money. I'm not going to ask you for... I'm just going to try to dig into what Scripture says. And where I was at at the time, that was absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to that idea of call, I, I think one of the common conceptions, cause I grew up in and around the church, you know, so the idea of call I've heard all my life. Um, and I think, I think perhaps oftentimes it's turned into something that, uh, you know, like God has one call in your life mm-hmm. and you better get it right. And, um, you know, and and if and it's a lifelong call, and right. it's a, and and there are cases of that right. there are absolutely in scripture. People you see that they are called and set aside for a lifetime to be a prophet or to be you know mm-hmm. whatever. But far more often, you know, I I think there are you know this idea that call is something that's a lot more like listening to mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit. Well, wouldn't you say that there are things that we are all called? Absolutely. There's definitely a general call. All followers of Christ are called to love the poor, mm-hmm. uh, to have God as our only God. Um, yeah, there are very general calls that are true for all believers. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think that there are specific personal calls uh, as well. Right. Um, 
And one of the, one of the phrases I like to use is like, it's a big deal and we make too big of a deal of it. Right. Sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, Because sometimes I think call, like you have a call, it's like this big, huge thing. Yeah. When some people, I mean, something I've been wrestling with is, am I willing to follow the call even if it's a quote, small call? Like, Mm -hmm. does that still feel worth it or worthy or um, a call even if Mm -hmm. it's something that feels small? And I think it is. Chris Studensky, who's the senior pastor at the church I'm currently at, uh, who you should totally have on here sometime. A couple weeks ago, he talked about that. You know, He was at a large, successful church doing incredible ministry, hundreds of kids, mm-hmm. and, and doing it, you know, honestly, like pretty ideally. Like there was kids leading kids and tons of people involved, and it was just a home run by every measure. Mm-hmm. And yet he felt this sense of... I think God is calling me this other thing. And, and literally he said just recently, he said, you know, God you know, kind of said to him, do you trust me to lead a small church? Do you trust mm-hmm. me to step out of the big and the successful? Mm-hmm. It is something that by virtually every measure isn't. Right. <laughs> um, and, and as I'm sitting there, even, even where I'm at now, a year into this new venture, that resonated because I, in a lot of ways, as you said at Calvary, you know, I, I had for... 15 years, been building a ministry there. I had been on staff. I had built teams that I loved and that loved me well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in a congregation that loved me. Um, you know, like you hear you hear worship pastors talk about the battle of like volume or style. I'm like, mm-hmm. I didn't fight it. Like, I was, it was an amazing <laughs> congregation. Um, there was nothing about that place that wasn't, I mean, I loved it. Right. Uh, and so I think a lot of people are like, so you're leaving that to go set up in a conference room every week and, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and walk into a situation that isn't at least at that time uh, as healthy. And it seemed crazy. And was crazy. it even defined? I mean, was your role even completely it was, defined? It was really loosely defined. It was, boy, we've got a ton of needs. And um, it seems like you know, some of your gifts match those needs. Um, but it, no, it didn't make a lot of sense. Um, I... Chris mm-hmm. uh, and I had coffee. Um, they were going through a difficult time as a church, and uh, a friend, a common friend, said, "Hey, you guys should have you guys should have lunch uh, or coffee because you know Calvary had gone through some difficult things, and maybe you could just give some encouragement to Chris as he's going through this." And uh, we had this first coffee, and I came home that night, and I said, "Honey, I think we're supposed to go to this other church." And she's like, wow. "I thought you were having coffee. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? Are, what do you mean?" <laughs> and it was just this sense. Um, mm-hmm. Where I went, boy, I because it didn't line up. It wasn't like it doesn't make sense on paper, Mm-mm. but it was like in that caribou. I it's it was Something almost a was voice, stirring. like boy, mm-hmm. I think boy, the way that I'm wired, the things that God has done in me, the journeys and experiences I've had, really align with what this place needs, and it doesn't make any sense. And I think that God orchestrated this mm-hmm. through this common friend who brought us together and through. Right. And then I, I talked to Chris a few days later and he similarly said something like, I don't know what words in his mouth, but something like, yeah, I left and had the same, like, <laughs> I think he's supposed to be there. And, mm-hmm. and this wasn't supposed to be that coffee. Right. Um, but it's a combination of, of the intangible and then the very tangible that God uses. And having looked back at that pattern of 20 years of God, using friends' voices and family's voices and his own still small voice. Um, it didn't make sense, and I kind of had to lean into it and go, yeah, but this is how it works. Right. That's what I – and I 
talked a little bit about this in the the first episode about how I got here. Mm-hmm. And it was stirrings of things. I mean, businesses were closing, and I thought there's a stirring of me owning a business. And I was like, I'm sorry, Lord, what? Like you're get, talking to the wrong person. That mm-hmm. that's not my that nope that doesn't work out on paper. But it kept happening. Mm-hmm. And then when that retreat facility that's close by closed, it was oh. You know, I could coordinate space and make space and that's still mm. churning where I thought, no, that, no, I'm working over here at this job. And, you know, my family, you know, the, we're all like set up. Yeah. But really wanting to be obedient to where God was calling and yeah. and wanting to be in on what he's doing. Yeah. So having to kind of step step into that. So what did it look like for you as you began to step? So there was that stirring, that nudge, that still small voice. What did it look like as you started to step toward it? Yep. Yeah, I didn't. You know, I didn't that day quit my job. Right. Um, I <laughs> I talked about it with nobody besides Kara, but we began praying about it, you know, and then slowly brought in some other friends, some wise counsel. Um, Chris and I set up another meeting, and even after that, kind of said, "Boy, let's pray about this. Let's talk about this. Let's think about this." Um, and yet, nowhere in there was it. You know, let's leave the door open. Like, let's not. Um, cause I really, you know, this is a big, big decision, but, um, at no point did I feel like if I do this, I'm somehow rejecting the call that I had initially felt back at Calvary. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I don't think calls are, I think calls are very rarely something that is an appointment for life. Right. I think, um, almost all the time, if you look through scripture, God's calls, God's promptings are follow me now, follow me in this. And mm-hmm. this might be for an evening right? <laughs> or a, a month or mm-hmm. years or a lifetime. Um, but more often, it is those little tiny steps we're being invited into. Um, and, and so it's even still in goes this, along with the call. I mean, you felt called to be a pastor. Yeah. So you're still a pastor. Yeah, too. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But even that, you know, you know, if, if God at some point, if we feel like God is calling us into some other vocation, mm-hmm. um, I could totally see God doing that. Um, it's, it's call not tenure. <laughs> right. Uh, Good distinction. Know? Yeah. So then you and Chris were continuing to meet you and Kara were praying about it. So how did the, how did the final decision come about and what were, I guess, some of the emotions yeah. that went with that? Well, you know, I, I tend to not be terribly risk averse, um, Mm-hmm. Maybe sometimes problematically, like, sure, let's try that. <laughs> I don't know. We'll just ask for forgiveness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and, yeah. Um, and I had not grown up in and around the Baptist church. I had not grown up in the traditions that we were currently in at Calvary. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have some of the ties that my wife did. Um, and so it was, there were tears mm-hmm. about uh, for 20 years. Th- this was the place where I had really, in a lot of ways, come to faith. This is the place where our kids had been dedicated, mm-hmm. where I was baptized. Uh, where virtually all of my spiritual growth, my call to ministry had happened. Um, it was really hard for all of us, but particularly for my wife, to get her head around how could God be calling us out of this place that has been so instrumental mm-hmm. in us getting to the place of health that we're currently at. Um, and, and, and so there was, you know some due diligence, you know, there was me really exploring like, okay, so I'm being called out of one denomination into another. Um, where are they at on some of these core issues? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I knew a little bit about the covenant, which is where I'm at now. 
Uh, and I knew that there were some issues that I, I actually aligned better with. Uh, and yet my wife wasn't there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was lots of prayers, lots of conversations, um, lots of not arguing. Um, like, I don't want to convince her. I don't want to talk her into this. Mm-hmm. Like, I truly believe that if God was calling me to this, that he would call, call her. her as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that um, sounds there's, familiar. Th- it's never going to be a call to just me. Right. Uh, that would be the first indication. <laughs> that, it, <laughs> that it might be about me <laughs> right, trying to advance right. my career. And, you know, and a lot of people, honestly, you know, like I, a lot of people had said to me, like, if they ever, th- and I had thought, boy, if I, I love leading worship. If I ever d- don't do this, mm-hmm. it will be to be a senior pastor. And I had over the years had a number of conversations with churches who had kind of invited me into that process. And um, I never thought that I would leave an established great place to go to a place where I was suddenly doing all my own admin work, where I was doing my own setup and tear down. And those first couple of weeks, honestly, mm-hmm. I remember the first week I, I pulled up to the community center where we meet mm-hmm. and there had obviously been a wedding the night before because someone had a wedding party, I should say, because there was literally vomit on like the front uh, curb. Sidewalk. Curb, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, uh, clearly there was someone was sick, mm-hmm. and I walked in, and you know, there was a it was a conference room, and it smelled like fish from you know the <laughs> night before, <laughs> and, I, and I had that kind of like, what am I, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we set up, you know, our fake electronic drum kit, you know, and. <laughs> I was like, oh God, what are you doing? Like, this feels so weird. This mm-hmm. is, a, this is so clearly a step back uh, right. from every measure. Uh, and all along the way, there were, there were also affirmations. There were these moments where God, you know, graced me with like, no, you're, you're where I want you're, you to be. Yeah, you're in the right place. You're in the right place. And then there'd be these moments where I'd look out and I'd see, you know, somebody that came from Calvary. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh man, what are they thinking? <laughs> this, this doesn't look like success by any measure, you know? Um, and yet it, it, it's where God wants me. Uh, it, it's a strange thing, not in anticipation of this conversation, but last night I'm driving with my 13-year-old. And he said, Dad, if you could do, or Wednesday night, he said, Dad, if you could do any job in the world, what would it be? And I said, buddy, what I'm, what I'm doing right now, like, mm-hmm. I love this. You know, I get to preach and to lead and to lead worship and do all the things I love and be in relation. Like, this is exactly where God wants me right now. And so I love it. Um, was just kind of one of those moments of affirmation, like, right. yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be, even if it doesn't make sense on paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I will never forget. So the the process of you leaving when you were I was on staff at Calvary at the time, and when you announced that you were leaving, and I, I think I was sitting next to you actually at a table, yeah, and I burst into <laughs> tears, mm. and it was so. I mean, I was so sad for us. But even at that time, I remember thinking, oh, yeah, no, this is, this is, per- I mean, this is a perfect fit for, I mean, you had worn many hats at Calvary mm-hmm. as well, and that you were going to somewhere where it was almost like if you would have stayed, it would have been like clipping your wings. Yeah. And so there was a mix for me as a Calvary person, a mix of, no, I don't want Jason to go. Yeah, yeah. And uh, no, I don't want Jason to be have his wing, wings clipped either. Mm-hmm. So, and and honestly, even in that, uh, I remember that conversation well. Uh, and God used you even in that moment because you were then one of those affirmation voices. 
I didn't know that you knew the Studenskys. Oh. And so you, you pulled me aside, I think directly after that conversation and said, I know a little bit about that church and I know the Studenskys and man, you are a perfect fit for mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. Like you guys will complement each other so well. That, that's a God thing. Um, that even in that moment that was so hard for me to go to that staff, um, he provided you to say, nope, this is perfect. Mm -hmm. uh, that's where you should be. So, and I have visited you a couple of times where you are yep. now visited the church because they are my, because Studenskis are my neighbors and it's in the neighborhood and really just such a great yeah. congregation. And it's funny when you were sitting there saying, you know, I look out and I see people from Calvary, what are they thinking? And I mean, I, I, so as one of those people, I was thinking this, this is right. I mean, mm. this is, this is, yep. Mm-hmm. And all the things, all the things that you get to do preaching and leading, yep. leading worship are. And really shaping culture spots. and, and bringing, you know, um, some of who God has made me to be mm -hmm. into that culture and shaping it in ways that, um, I think have been healthy for them and humbling and good for me. Uh, you know, I, I, there's one particular, uh, episode where a friend of mine who, um, is involved in the technology at a very large church here in town mm -hmm. uh, and who's followed me throughout my career and who I know he came on a Sunday and it was the moment where I just kind of went like, Oh my gosh, like this guy runs these multi-million dollar blah, blah, blah. And mm -hmm. here I am with my little toy lights and my, you know, <laughs> like I think at the time our light settings in the worship center were on and off, right. <laughs> you know, fluorescent <laughs> lights. I, oh, this is so like not embarrassing, but just sort of like, boy, what must he think mm. of the choices that I've made? Um, and in that moment, it's, it's just been a great exercise for me to go, boy, that's, that was never what was it about, what it was about. And this circumstance has made it so clear. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a gift, right. but one of those weird lessons. So has there been anything about your process that we haven't talked about that you feel like would be really helpful for people who are maybe trying to wrestle with something that God's calling them to or... Any other kind of advice that you would have? You've had really good things to say so far. Yeah. I, I one, one of my principles in life that's been so helpful for me, I don't remember where I got it from, but this idea of no matter what circumstance we're in, um, you know, God is big enough that he can handle our doubts, he can handle our fears, he can ha even handle our frustrations. What he doesn't want, however, is is us to turn away from him in those moments, to turn our face from him, to lean mm -hmm. away from him, but to lean into him with whatever we have, whether right. it's joy or anger or fear mm -hmm. or whatever. And when, once I've established that sort of a pattern, um, it's boy, you know, I don't know what this looks like, but I'm going to lean into it. And that doesn't mean I'm going to quit my job. It doesn't mean I'm going to be rash um, or reckless. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there are times that we're called to the reckless, but God is a God of order. Uh, God is a God of relationship who doesn't want us to have disordered relationships and broken, fractured things. You know, we're supposed to love each other well and be responsible. And yet he calls us to things often that don't make any sense. Leaving your job to start a retreat house right. <laughs> doesn't make sense. It's leaving <laughs> the comfortable. Right. And so God says, lean into that. Mm-hmm. Follow me, listen for my voice, listen to the voices of those who I've put around you. Um, and really the just putting one foot in front of the other mm -hmm. and walking toward it. Yeah. Not really knowing, I mean, having conversations to try to 
sort things out and be wise, like with technology or whatever. Yeah. But seeing where God is leading and say, okay, I will walk in that path. It was Joel Lawrence, uh, a common friend of ours, who mm-hmm. several years ago now, I remember him doing a talk where he talked about, you know, thy word is a light unto my feet. Um, and it's it's literally this concept that God, he lights the path one step ahead of us. Mm-hmm. You know, we want headlights that, you know, that light. <laughs> I want to see all the way to the end. 200 yards right. away. <laughs> and most of the time, almost none of the time, is that what we get. You know, we get a little glimpse a little bit of an invitation. And I think the danger and the other analogy that comes to mind is sort of, as a kid, I remember, and we do this as parents, like I'll pray for my kids, like, God, you know, whoever you are preparing for to be my child's spouse. Mm -hmm. And that's a beautiful sentiment as a parent, but it does potentially set up this idea that God has one perfect plan Mm -hmm. or one perfect spouse. Mm -hmm. And if you screw that up, that's you know, it. You, you know, God's not bigger than that. Right. Like God had a great plan and then you screwed it up. <laughs> right. and if God is anything in scripture, it's like he's a God of redemption mm-hmm. who has mm-hmm. wonderful plans that mm-hmm. most of the time we screw up and, and says, and God says, okay, now I'll take that and make something beautiful. Right. I can work with and that. And then I'll, I can work with that. Mm-hmm. If you lean into me, if you right. turn toward me, if you give that to me, I can make something beautiful out of it. Um, and so, you know, it's not so tightly holding on to the place that God has put us that we're not willing to hold it loosely and say, but at any moment, God, I'm willing to, to lean into what's next, Mm -hmm. trusting that you're good. Right. And for me, I've found that it's been a little messy. It hasn't been really perfect. Yeah. You know, I want it to be clean and concise and it's just not, it's kind of messy and being the controller that I am, I do really well with that. Not really. Um, but yeah, just that one. Okay, well, I can put one foot in front of the other. So yeah. that's what I'll do is work step I toward that. One of the things that was most difficult for me was to go from a place where I was known mm. uh, and, you know, and loved. I mean, like people, you know, I had a lot of great friendships and it was a wonderful congregation. But being known right. is so important. Mm-hmm. And so like my humor, my sarcasm, my strengths and weaknesses, to go into a place where Boy, nobody, you know, the only thing they know about me is a reputation that probably overstates some of my abilities, <laughs> you know? Um, and to, that was hard. Mm-hmm. That was hard and uncomfortable. Um, That's a new relationship. Yeah. It's having to build a new relationship. A new trust and new. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll say, uh, this is a weird thing uh, to say publicly, but, you know, even the fact that. A lot of times I felt like, am I up to this? Like mm. God called me to this and I'm not sure I'm the guy. Like, um, it some of the big, it felt big. I mean, some of these things are broken mm-hmm. and I'm stepping into it. And I think they think they hired like the Superman who can fix all this stuff. Mm. And like I don't chip gains. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And I got no Joanna. Uh, no, I, you're, I love my wife. Yeah, I was going to say, you do. <laughs> um, no, like, yeah, like, I don't, like, you know, they would ask questions like, well, you know, you probably know the answer to blah, blah. I'm like, no, I don't know. I have no idea. Like, I'm figuring this out too. Right. Um, and that was just, that was really uncomfortable. Um, and it took me leaning in again. So with all of the hats that you wear and all the things that you have going on, 
so this is a retreat house podcast and two there are two questions that I'm asking my guests. How do you retreat from all that you're doing? Is that a place? Is it a practice? What, how do you retreat and revive and what are the things that you do or the places you go that are life giving for you? Yeah. So I, this, this is actually just a realization this week. I had, you know, we're the fall kickoff for mm-hmm. church and we are, you know, um, and you guys just big. We, we did went big. big. <laughs> we went big and we went bigger than we've ever done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everything we've done this year. Um, I, I just realized it's 10 years. this is our 10 year anniversary is as a church, which yeah. is huge. Um, you know, and we've been tremendously blessed and have grown wonderfully. Um, but this is my first, this is, this is an entire year of firsts. Mm-hmm. You know, it was my first Christmas there, my first, and I wanted to, you know, I wanted to do everything like they've done it, but better. Right. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so this is my first fall kickoff and, uh, we went big and we're launching this whole new sort of initiative we're calling Small Church um, that basically is is taking the church and very intentionally mobilizing it geographically around mm. neighborhoods in the North Metro to say we want to be the experience of God in our neighborhoods. Love that. And it is, it is big. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was – I had a moment last week where I'm, I'm getting in the car at the end of the day. It was 5 o'clock and I had to go because my kids needed me home right. and we had stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And I realized I am totally okay right now. And it was that moment of going, I'm not, like, I've not, um, this is bigger than I can do. I've put everything that I can into this today. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the night, I'm going to go home and be a dad and be a husband and and walk away. And I know that God is bigger than this. Uh, mm-hmm. This sounds so pat answer. Um, <laughs> but it was just, it was like, it wasn't an intentional choice. It was a realization that I've arrived in a place mm-hmm. where I can leave at the end of the day and feel like. And leave it. And leave it. Uh, and that, that wasn't the case for many of my years of ministry. And that doesn't mean I don't still have sleepless nights sometimes and mm-hmm. wake up, you know, every time I preach, I wake up at like four o'clock in the morning and I'm not consciously worried, but right. my brain is already going. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just this, this realization like, oh, like I've not done this enough. I've seen God's track record so faithfully mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. so many years mm-hmm. that I can leave knowing that He's it was God who gave us this idea for small church. Right. Um, we have um, he's put amazing volunteer and staff around this. It's mm-hmm. going to come together. Uh, I just need to be faithful and lean into it. Is there a place you'd like to retreat to? A favorite place that you have when you get time to retreat? You know, I'm not. I'm not great at that, um, and that that's been a, a hallmark of my life. That's why um, I keep asking the question. <laughs> yeah, I was actually I was just talking to my parents this morning, and I, and I, I said, you know, I've never had a hobby. And at least mm. in part, that's because they didn't have hobbies. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we are a hardworking bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, this sounds goofy, but my car is a refuge. And mm. it is where the majority of my thought happens, where mm-hmm. my prayer life happens. And I take the long way everywhere. When I used to drive at Calvary between mm-hmm. the two campuses, there's a fairly direct interstate. And I took all the back, back roads, roads so that I could drive around Vadness Lake. Mm-hmm. I could drive down Rice Street. I could drive down Victoria. I could drive through all these beautiful drives because that was my time alone and quiet to think and to pray yeah. and to listen. That's a um, great practice. It, it's critical for me. Mm-hmm. And there's still times where my wife, uh, well, in the evening, like if, if I'm struggling, if, if, I, you know, if I'm obviously stressed out, she'll say, mm-hmm. why don't you just go for a drive? 
because she knows that that's where I'm going to have my alone time and my quiet time. And then, you know, like so many people in Minnesota, um, you know, our family has a cabin mm. and we don't get there often. Uh, it's my parents. Um, but there's something about having this designated place that I know the moment I pull into the driveway, you've been there. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. The moment I pull into the driveway, my body lets down. Yeah. An exhale. Um, an exhale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's something about the wind and the grass and the water and the birds and just, you know, being away from the city. And, and, and I think at least in some places, because that is a designated place, mm-hmm. I can get there quickly. I can get to a place of uh, retreat very, very quickly. Now, not everybody can have a cabin. The truth is, it's a tremendous amount of work and money. And mm-hmm. uh, we're very blessed that my parents have that. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I similarly, um, for years, we went up to Trout Lake Camp. Mm-hmm. And when we turned into that driveway, my kids would all roll down the windows because we were there. Mm-hmm. Because even they knew this is a place where we retreat, right. where we have fun, uh, where we eat good food, where really we focus on God, mm-hmm. where we, uh, that was, you know, honestly, that was one of the most difficult things. Like Ian said, I love the new youth group. I love all these places, but I miss, I miss Trout. Mm. Uh, he was so connected to Trout Lake Camp. That's my 13 year old. Um, and so now we're making new relationships with Covenant Pines, which is right. a wonderful it camp. Is. And I'm leading worship for a men's, uh, man camp up there this fall. And, you know, we're making those new relationships, but I think building in those rhythms, Right. That my family knows once a, once a year, we're going to go to a family camp. Mm-hmm. And that is a retreat for our family to focus on family and God. Right. And nothing else. That's great. My other question that I'm asking people is because in our family, my family, we celebrate weird mm-hmm. and the things that are weird. Mm-hmm. And so think of the hashtag celebrate weird. What is something about you that you would use the hashtag celebrate weird? Something weird about you. Something that you oh, like to do that's weird. Boy. Or other people might think is weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, that's a great question. I There's a lot of stuff around food for me that's mm. weird. Food plays a really, really critical role uh, in my life. Like, I don't think a bad role. It is one of the ways. It, if I have a hobby, it's around <laughs> food. It's cooking and And we were saying appetizers. And we appetizers. Yeah. yeah, appetizers are my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> Uh, and so, yeah, I get really passionate and weird about food. Uh, and it matters. I think I grew up in a house where food was one of the primary ways we said, I love you. Mm. Uh, and to this day, when my mom comes to our house or my sister mm-hmm. comes to our house, she comes bearing food mm-hmm. always. It is a primary expression of love. Um, and so I have a lot of weird stuff around food where food really, really matters to me. And, uh, you know, the question of what's for dinner uh, is a much bigger question for me than it is for some like <laughs> it really really matters for my wife's like you're so weird um that's good that's exactly what i was talking about okay you just said someone says said you're so weird you're so weird yep yeah. that's exactly it thank you so much for being on the podcast yeah. today and sharing your story i you know i saw parts of it as you know being on staff and being at calvary and watching you and then seeing glimpses of you now that you're at emmanuel and it's it's spoken to me in in where I feel now God is calling me to to be diligent to take those steps and to have those conversations and to go from something that's good to something that's also good, but it's better because that's where God is calling me. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for coming and sharing your story. I well, appreciate thanks. it. That's a privilege. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
Thank you for listening to the Retreat House podcast. For any links mentioned in the show, head to the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and join us next week for another conversation at the Retreat House table. Thank you.